and welcome to The Rally Podcast. We're stoked that you're here. We hope that this would be a tool to help you pursue the presence of God, people, and the ways of Jesus. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy. We are here, people, the Rally Roundtables. It's feeling good today. We have got a very special episode because I've got one of my best mates hanging out here with me, Finn Sheridan. Hello, buddy. <laughs> and uh, if you're watching us, we look a little bit ridiculous right now. I'm in like the sweat out sweat outfit, the sweat the sweatpants, <laughs> and he's in his cool city attire because he's just a very cool person. But we've got my, one of my best mates, uh, my fellow UK Commonwealth brother. Not that I'm from the UK, I'm from <laughs> Australia. And uh, we're talking about following Jesus, Finn. We are. And uh, how are you feeling today, mate? Feel great. Very excited for this. This is what this is the stuff that Josh and I talk about typically most of the time, anyway, mm-hmm. when we're not uh, talking about fantasy football or fashion. Yes, but uh, big fashion guys, big fashion guys, big fantasy <laughs> football guys, and also big ways of Jesus guys. So I'm excited. Yes, it's uh, I, I, today's conversation could absolutely go off the rails, or it could be amazing. Hopefully, the later. But, yes, uh, mate, tell tell the people if they don't know about you, they should know about you because because you're the man. But uh, tell the people a little bit about yourself, yep. and then uh, why don't you give us a little bit of an insight into Finn Sheridan, the great man. Okay, so uh, 31 years old, married to my wife, Danny, uh, who is she's she's awesome. She's amazing. Uh, and we have a dog called Honeybear. We live in Anderson. Uh, been married for five and a half years now, and born and raised in the UK. Excuse me. <laughs> born and raised in the UK. Um, Grew up in church there, which is pretty unusual for the UK. It's kind of a, similar to Australia, very post-Christian. Or the phrase I'm hearing now is pre-Christian mm-hmm. because it's kind of coming full circle. Um, context: knew I wanted to be a pastor, knew I wanted to follow God, um, and ended up moving to South Carolina because that's what God asked of us. So very excited to be here. She's from here. I'm obviously not. So Josh and I do a lot of figuring out living here together in the south together in the it's, south together struggling what, through what was uh one of the cultural shocks when you when you moved to the south uh there were so many i think i had convinced myself there was gonna be more fresh fruit than there was, <laughs> was absolutely that was the wrong yes. time to take a sip but there was i mean just everything has butter and sugar as and much salt. and salt and it's all yellow like food groups in the south are all yellow um so that was definitely a culture shock the hardest word to speak here is water like so if someone if some if i'm with someone and you i think you've done the same thing as well if someone orders like a water rather than me say i'll have a water which enters into a whole like what did you say water what do you mean water like that that's the kind yeah. of vibe it goes you just go i'll have one of those too mm-hmm. because it's just much easier so i wasn't prepared for how difficult people would find the phrase i'll have a water that is true it, it, going, going through a drive through together is is like a, a they circus. struggle they struggle in the drive throughs with us <laughs> so but Man, the conversation we want to have today is really around following Jesus. Uh, and we, we use this language of, of, in this month, talking about this idea that we want to pursue the ways of Jesus and this idea that we want to be with him, become like him, and act like Jesus. And so we'll, we'll hit on some different kind of topics and things today, but I'd love you to just simply like share some of your heart of, of like, why do you love Jesus and why do you follow him? Mm-hmm. Um. We were joking about this before we started recording, but I, I really do. One of the major things I love about Jesus is how unlike me he is. Mm. Uh, and what I mean by that is there's two ideas you're holding in tension there. One, Jesus became uh, a man fully, was was fully man. So his he is not detached from my human experience. He knows it intimately. Mm-hmm. And yet the way he lived his human experience is almost radically different from the way that most of us live our human experience. And so when I think about myself and I'm a if you're an Enneagram person, I'm a four. 
So I'm constantly looking inwards, know my emotions, feeling all the things, feeling a little bit today. Um, <laughs> feels going. Got the feels going. I need some of that in my And life. I'm unstable in my feelings, but Jesus is solid. Mm-hmm. And I'm unreliable in my feelings, but Jesus is reliable. And I change in my mind, but Jesus never changes his mind. And so there's just a, there's a consistency about Jesus that I'm so drawn to. Mm-hmm. Um, I found him to be true. Like he doesn't tell lies and our culture tells lies and I tell myself lies and I can trick myself into things and even close friendships, like they're not perfect either. Um, but Jesus isn't like that. And so he's so, he's so reliable. He's so trustworthy. He can, I can put everything about my experience before him and he knows it and he has a better way to live. And I think that has been just the most compelling thing for me following Jesus for pretty much my whole life now. Use this language of a better way to live yep. and and something I think is important. Like you can you can believe in Jesus, but it's a whole nother thing to follow him and yep. following his ways and the and the life. Talk talk to us a little bit about that of like what has it meant meant for you over the you've been following Jesus for many years now. What does that mean to to follow Jesus? Uh, and in the good times and the bad times, just share some, even some of your journey of man following Jesus. Yeah. So, like I said, grew up in a non-Christian culture, but a Christian home. Mm-hmm. So that was really big because the culture very different. If you're watching in the southeast or South Carolina, you're connected to New Spring Church. This culture is still, and I know it doesn't feel like it, is so Christian, mm-hmm. so Christian. So many things about it are still full of. Uh, Christianese, Christianisms, Christian ideas, Christian concepts. And it's not until you get in another culture that you realize, oh, wow, that there's another way to have a culture. So from day one, we were raised to realize that Jesus was an actual person. He was as present in our home as my brothers were, mm-hmm. as my parents were. And so Jesus didn't feel like an abstract idea or a theology or just a thing that everyone else was doing. Jesus was the eighth member of the Sheridan household. Or right. really, really, I'm one of five boys mom and dad at seven but mm-hmm. really jesus was the central focus of the sheridan household mm-hmm. and that meant he was equally present so for me that that start in life was massive and, and maybe you've had that maybe you haven't had that if you haven't had that you have to come to terms with quite quickly what does jesus actually require of us mm-hmm. because i when i open the scriptures when i when i see what his life and teachings were it's not simply if you agree with two or three theological points you're good right his, his way and his uh concepts in his teaching don't seem to give us that option although we've kind of made it that option yep. what he seems to present is i'm the way and i'm the truth and i'm the life mm-hmm. and if you want to if you want to know god if you want to flourish as a human being it's gonna it's gonna be my way right it's gonna be my way that's gonna lead to the truth about reality that's gonna lead to the life that you didn't know you were always searching for but you are mm-hmm. and so when I think about that I've, I've completely forgotten your question but I feel like just this is, him, we're, just we're just going we're just going just following Jesus forward. yeah I, I've I've come to believe that Jesus is is who he says he is, and that means I have to take his words to be true as well. And I, like he's not just a, a kind, compassionate, historical figure who provided some good theories, but he's God. Mm-hmm. And if he's God, he demands lordship of my life because I didn't create the universe, he did. Yeah. I'm not sustaining the universe, he does. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I, I try and live with a very elevated sense of who Christ is. Now, he is equally at the same time deeply compassionate, right. deeply close, deeply loving, but he's also Lord. And if he's Lord, that means Finn Sheridan doesn't get to decide what his life is like. Mm-hmm. Jesus does. And I have to bring my will and my decisions and my mentality and my finances and my life before him and say, what do you want this to look like and how can I conform everything about me to you? Yeah. 
Because there's even this idea of, of Jesus is very clear that you would deny yourself, pick yeah. up your cross and follow me. Yeah. And, and this is denial to self and I will follow you no matter the cost and, and coming after you. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's where I think I, I, I'm, I have these conversations even with young adults or I, I observe it even living in the South. It's because, yes, we come from very different cultures and backgrounds. But just here, there's so much more to following Jesus than checking a box. Right. But, but there is there is great, hey, I, I am denying Josh Bull that, mm-hmm. that my selfish will, goodbye. Right. And and taking up the cross and God, I'll follow you no matter the cost. And so talk to us a bit even of, man, maybe someone, yes, I checked the box of belief, but how do I start in my day in, day out life, in my everyday moments, follow Jesus? Broad question, but just the first things that come to mind of, man, I want this to go from just something I associate with to to following Jesus. Yeah. So once you're saved, um, by which I mean you've made some sort of decision, clear decision that Jesus is who he says he is and that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and you're going to put your hope and faith in him. Once you've made that decision, that didn't come by works or earning. That's a gr- That's a grace moment. God enables you to see that as truth, as reality by the Holy Spirit. The Bible's very clear on that. Dallas Willard has this quote that grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. Mm-hmm. So once once we've entered past that moment of salvation, once we've stepped into a kingdom reality, once we were dead and now we're alive, that doesn't mean that we stop. Yep. We actually have to now step into a, and the Bible uses kind of words like soldier or athlete or farmer to describe what this Christian life is going to be like. Those are actively present words that require effort. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's a tension here between uh, you do nothing to initiate salvation and save yourself. It's impossible. That's a work of grace. But that grace enables you to live a kind of life and enables you to train your body and mind and self to live a certain kind of way. And I think one of the big things that I see are in the context we live in so much is passivity yeah. because it's all on God. And I'm a big grace, big grace guy. <laughs> big grace guy. Big grace guy. And because I'm a big grace guy, I'm going to be a big partnership guy. That, that it is the Father's will to give me the kingdom, and so I step into that. I take up my cross and follow him. Like it's Paul talks about it in Philippians, yet not I, but Christ who worked within me. Like there's, there's this tension that we have to manage in Christianity, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be required even more because nominal, cultural, uh, soft, soft Christianity will not sustain the next 10 to 15, 20 years. And so if you're going to follow Christ, you're going to have to have some some awareness that Jesus wants you to live in partnership. Excuse me, partnership with Him, mm-hmm. and that's really important. The other thing I think, and we've got this, <clears throat> is this idea of having people that really know you. Mm-hmm. So important. And it's otherwise, if I don't have your ideas to come up against my ideas, I'm just going to talk myself into a particular kind of reality yep. where I'm the central player in the universe. It's all about Finn Sheridan. We're just doing things my way. But because I'm in community with you and Daniel and Daniel and Austin and Caleb and all these other folks, because I'm because we've got people around us, our ideas aren't the kingly ideas. Then we're not the only ones that are center of the universe. I've got to I've got to come to bear with what Jesus has done in your life, what you've got to teach me, what I've got to teach you. So that that kind of relationship, that kind of authenticity, that kind of vulnerability, massively important. Mm-hmm. It's 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 huge. And so, you you even talked about this idea of of a softness to following Jesus and and it, how it w- could not sustain over the next 15 years and uh, we are not the experts not at all uh, but we do have observations mm-hmm. of culture and things around us and I'd love you to just even speak to man like 
following Jesus in 2021 yep. and all the things and the pressures and, and buzzwords of the day, uh, what, what are the things that you're seeing and observing um, that you would just pass on encouragement to young adults of following Jesus in the world that we find ourselves in? Yeah, I think number one would be the thing that Tim Keller calls the freedom of self-forgetfulness. So um, you're not the center of the universe. Mm -hmm. You're just not. Yep. Uh, mostly people aren't thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. But if you can, if you can learn that lesson early, you can step into freedoms and humilities where you're able to really discover who God's made you to be, and you're not constantly evaluating what are other people thinking about you. So there's there's an element of humility that I think is massively important for every disciple to get, particularly young adults. Like it's a great because <clears throat> college is revolving around you, uh, potentially your career. Like they might have multiple job offers. Um, you might be the central figure who's providing in your household. You might be, you're in the spot where you're realizing you've got very few responsibilities and very high dreams. So you become the center of your own world very, very quickly. Yep. So the quicker that you can start to realize you're not the center of everyone else's world, and you're certainly not the center of the universe, that God is writing a story and he invites you to come and be in it, that's a massive key mm -hmm. to, I think, discipleship in general. Um, I think a hunger for rich deep intimacy with god is so important mm -hmm. like being realizing that there's <coughs> excuse me i'm sorry for my coughs sorry for my coughs <laughs> everybody okay, mate. there's a type of life in this book that's described that's possible mm -hmm. like intimacy with god a deep knowledge of him uh closeness with jesus a communion and a union with the holy spirit and if that's possible you shouldn't. You, if that's really true, you should make everything in your life revolve around trying to experience that on a daily basis. Yeah. Like, and that's that's really what my Christianity is boiled down to. It's not about winning a culture war. It's not about converting massive amounts of people. It's yeah. not about like even going on gospel mission. All those things are like maybe part of the journey. Mm -hmm. But the reality is this: I was designed for God. Yeah. Like, and you were designed for God, and everyone watching this was designed for God. Yeah. That means that we have to take all of our pre. Uh, determined ideas about what life should look like put them under his lordship like we've talked about already and then just try and live that way and like not live as the center of the universe not live as the most important person not live i have uh like just such a desire to be the main character it's not yeah. i'm not the main character of human history christ is mm -hmm. and so just looking for ways to say okay I, if this thing's real i have to organize my life like it's real yeah. I, I was uh, having a little chuckle to myself this weekend because Taylor and I started watching uh, this show Made on Netflix. Have you have you guys started watching it? It's it's very. We intense. don't watch Netflix. We only watch yeah, the chosen. You, you only watch Jesus shows. <laughs> we only watch the chosen. But <clears throat> we're watching the show, and it, honestly, it's, it's pretty intense. Got got domestic violence and things like that. And and I, honestly, I'm all up in my feels watching this show. Of like, I'm thinking about Eli and family, just the the pain of humanity. Uh, but I also had a laugh to myself because like me and Taylor probably watched like seven episodes over this past weekend. We didn't have much going on and we had a relatively quiet weekend. I thought, man, like my desire is to just to chill and watch this show, which which was fine. But it's like we easy ha have time that we can allocate and budget. And uh, how often do we just put our time and energy in whether it's Netflix or, or things that, that are totally okay and not sinful things. Right. But we have to prioritize in our life, man, if, if someone were to audit how you spend your time, yep. is it around that I'm following Jesus? And I just think it's a great gauge of like, man, you have the time, let's, let's orientate our lives around it. And I think that there's like a, there's a decision that you have to make, particularly as a young adult, around 
what kind of life are you going to live? Because again, high amounts of dreams, low amounts of responsibility, typically. So you have the choice right now to make it, you might have minimal finances, but you do have a maximum amount of time, effort, energy, physical, all that sort of stuff's there. You don't have kids, you don't have mortgages, typically. All of, I'm making assumptions, but broadly speaking, young adults, people who are listening to this right now, is the time of least responsibility in your life. So you have to make a choice about how are you going to steward that because that's going away yeah. the more you live. But the patterns and habits that you form right now are the things that determine yeah. your destiny. Like, as a man sows, so he reaps. Like, yeah. God won't be mocked. That's a, that's a principle of the kingdom and a principle of the universe. Yeah. And so what are you sowing into that is helping you do that? What are some things that do that for you? Man, it's it's um, obviously my, my time with God. I, th- I think the older I'm getting, the more content I am of life. I want, I want to be a great, great dad, a great husband, a great friend, and and love God. I think my my person, what you're talking about, dreams and, and responsibility, as responsibilities gone up, I don't think I quote unquote dream as much because I want to be present today, that tomorrow has its own worries. Yes, I have direction, but man, I want when people see me, it's like, Josh loves God. Yep. And so I orientate my life around that of, of extended times in prayer and, and have a great Sabbath with my family and enjoy long meals with friends and, and, and others. And so I think the older I'm getting, the more simple my life is getting. I, I, I am a very driven person by nature, which you know well and mock me all the time about. But man, really, I'm just trying to put my orientate my life around Jesus in, in the practices and the habits, yep. the way I live. And I hope when people look in and see that, um, they would say, man, this is a guy who's... who's um, taking all of that drivenness mm-hmm. and channeling it towards I'm going after God. <laughs> yeah. And so... Because um, it's about stewardship, isn't it? You realize, and some of even some of your journey of some of the pain you've experienced in the last five years, mm-hmm. some of the things you've walked through, maybe we'll get into this, some of the things yeah. I've walked through, that you realize you actually cannot accomplish everything that you think you can accomplish. Your, yeah. your body has limits, life has limits, your resources have limits. Yeah. And so you just, you bump up against that and you suddenly realize that actually the most important thing it's stewardship. Like, what yeah. has God given me that I can just steward really, really well? Yeah. Uh, and that's not defeatist. I think that's kingdom. Yeah. And I think that's important. Yeah, Jesus talks about it, Matthew 19, that the, the great now will be the least in, in, in eternity, and the least now will be the, be the great, great in eternity. And this idea of, man, I don't want to be successful by worldly standards. Right. I want to be successful in the kingdom. And when I look at the life of Jesus, uh, it is very much so a, a simple life. And I think there's, there's more to that. Yeah, um, for, for us to experience. Got some scriptures. L- bless us. 1 Timothy 1 verse 5 says this, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. Like, that's, the aim is love. The aim of Christianity is love, to become a person who is able to give and receive love. That is the point. Yep. That's what glorifies God the most. That's what intimacy with Christ looks like. It's like, am I able to receive love from God? And am I able to give love out? Great. Like, that is the whole... Jesus said that's the whole thing, mm-hmm. loving God and loving your neighbor, being able yeah. to receive and give love. And so to become a person of maturity means to become a person of love, mm-hmm. to be able to deal with the things that stop you from giving and receiving love internally, to be able to get still enough before God to receive God's love, and then to be able to love those that you find lovable and those you find deeply unlovable. That's that's Christianity. That's, that's going awesome. to take you 80 yeah. years. Yep. So let, let, let's let's pivot a little bit here of 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 taking that lens, taking that conversation around like even pain and suffering and hardship, because in this life you will have trouble. Do not do not fear it, because he has overcome it. And and so how how do you take how, heart, as the Hillsong song yes, says? Take heart. 
<laughs> Imagine if we start singing out a little karaoke. Let's just hold hands and sing take heart right uh, now. But but to, man, just talk to us about that. That the, that the reality is, young adults gone through years. Maybe they're going through hardship, yep. loss, challenge, anxiety, worry. All these things are so real and shouldn't be belittled. Yep. How do you follow Jesus in the midst of that? Yeah, it goes back to the first thing we talked about. That Jesus was a man just like me. So has has he's not unfamiliar with suffering. Mm-hmm. Like Isaiah talks about, he's a man of grief. He's aware of pain experienced it experienced betrayal in relationships experienced people misunderstanding him experienced people uh taking one thing he said and twisting it to another he he experienced tremendous physical pain at the cross so the navigation of pain is the invitation to christ like it's the invitation to closeness it's the invitation to proximity because everything god does is relationship and so when he allows um my way of thinking about pain would be everything passes from or through the hand of God. So he's either things that he has actively caused and there's either things that he has permitted for a season. Like that would be my theology of pain and suffering. Um, Other people may land differently, but because of that, I've realized that there is in, in the pain that we experience in the broken world that we have, there's an invitation to closeness every single time. And it might not be easy to see. You might need other people to say it over your life hundreds of times before you actually start to experience it. But when I think about all of the pain that I've been through, the pain that my friends have been through, the pain that I experience and see in the world, I see it being an invitation that we would know God, Mm. that we would know him as better than good circumstances and that we would know his comfort in bad circumstances. Does any, as comfortable as you want to say, is there any moment that you think back of your life of, hey, this was a lot of pain and and how I journeyed through it? And I'm sure there's been obviously different times but just like yeah. things that come to mind and some practical insights of what that journey looked like yeah i mean there were some decisions i made in my 20s that were really uh, chaotic that that hurt people around me and that hurt me uh, i did and, and did damage to myself and did damage to my soul and damage to other people's souls and if i look back at the time of when was god most at work in my life and when did i perceive him the least it was those that same the same time is the same answer like i see now on the other side of it the hand of god and in the moment, I could see it the least. Mm. So, I just, I just think like it's, it's maybe not helpful to compare my circumstances with anyone else's circumstances. But you don't, if you anything you give up in the kingdom of God, you ret- you receive more. Mm-hmm. And that more might not look like I gave up X amount of money, so I'm going to receive more money, right. or I gave up X amount of comfort, so I got comfort. That's prosperity gospel. That's not what we're about. But what you are about is again. Jesus said that if you come and, and take my promises and take me at my word, there's a life that's greater and there's a system that's greater. Yeah. And so when we think about the world in our system, all kinds of things are chaotic, don't make sense, deeply painful. All of those things are very, very real. Mm-hmm. I found the way of Jesus to be the only thing that makes sense of them yeah. and brings comfort to them. Mm-hmm. What about uh, times of life like when you've had questions or doubt? What about, I think, there's a lot of conversations in in the day and age today of like people wrestling through their faith, wrestling through uh, questions and, and things. Uh, what would be any encouragement, insight that you have around that? Could have made that question just one second longer. Yeah, that would have been. Everyone has got his Bible. Got We're his about Bible to just go, go to the source of truth. That's exactly right. Open see, it. see what the sword says. Open the scriptures with me right now. Uh, Hebrews 6 says uh, this. Verse 17. So God 
when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of his promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope said before us. So I remember vividly this moment where I was just asking God question after question. I don't understand this. I don't understand all of what I just said about evil and suffering. I would not have been able to hear. I wouldn't have been able to receive because my pain would have been too great for me to be able to understand that future Finn is telling the truth. Mm -hmm. So in that moment, I'm just like, God, you seem to make this incredibly complicated. You seem to be incredibly distant. I don't think you are who you say you are. I think this way feels too difficult. This there's a bunch of phrases that seem very Christian and don't have any substance and reality to them. And I just remember that verse, particularly this idea that God desired to show convincingly to the heirs of promise. So God desires that I would be convinced of his promises. Mm. God's will is that I would have them as firm foundation, that they would be steadfast and strong for me to build my life on. And so I just rem I remember just a God, the spirit of God illuminating the words of scripture um, even when I didn't want to believe them because God desired to convince me. God desired to lead me into truth. God desired to lead me into repentance. And I think that's where you, if you're experiencing a moment of asking questions about faith, there are some things that you should absolutely test and stretch and see if they're big enough. God's big enough to handle every single question you've got. Yep. Not scared of it, not surprised about it, knew you are going to ask it before the foundation of the world. So you're not catching God off guard, which is a great reassurance. The, the way that you do that matters, I think. And there's a whole bunch of better conversations than we're able to have right now in this right. moment about how to do that. But I certainly do think that what you should do is you should recognize that it's impossible to inherit the kingdom of God any other way than like a child. And a child at some point just has trust. Mm -hmm. Like if we were to bring Elijah in here right now, he's running to you out right. of all the people in this room. Why? Because he's the, you're the one he trusts the most. Mm -hmm. And so it's impossible to inherit the kingdom of God unless you're like Elijah in that moment, which is just trust faith yeah. it's, you 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 can't have the it's you please god by faith mm -hmm. and so it's impossible to please god without faith mm -hmm. and you just gotta you can buck against that you can be angry about that you can think that's unfair that's unkind yeah. but at the end of the day that's what i believe the re, the reality of the kingdom is that's that faith pleases god and yeah. so faith doesn't have answers all the time faith yeah. doesn't really make sense of it all the time but faith is the choice that we make yeah. to follow jesus into the better way of living it's awesome with with uh living by faith, then even speak to some of your journey of, of faith moments, the, the big moments, the small moments of, of um, w what does that look like uh, practically of men? Go, I feel like God's leading me this way. Everything's pulling me this way. Yeah. Uh, just share some of your journey and story with, with living by faith. Uh, I just, I mean, I've tried to make as many decisions as possible that only make sense with God. So the, excuse me really struggling with the lunch we had before this. <laughs> the way the the way I'm trying to make choices about my life, the way I'm making choices about my finances, the way I'm making choices about what I'm doing with my career, um, I want my life to be made sense of only through the lens of faith. That's gotten harder the older I get. It was very easy in my teenage years, early 20s, to be like, God's going to look after me. It's going to be what, like, I'll just do whatever, God. Uh, and I immediately allow. I was, uh, not immediately, I was then discipled by the world that actually you need certain things. You need to have comfort. You need to have finances. You need to have people making sense of your decisions. I think young adults need to recognize that this is a great time to really grow with the idea that you're going to build your life on God's promises, that you're going to trust God, 
that you're going to live by faith. But man, we've we've talked about this. Even the the more responsibility you have, the more risky it feels to live by faith. The yep. more you're making decisions through the lens of Taylor and Eli, and uh, making the lens through through Danny and and the life we're trying to build together. It's it's not just I'll just do whatever God you can send me wherever, do whatever with my life. But I want to I want to live with that degree of surrender still. I don't want to lose that. I was so intentional and intense with I want the ways of God to be the thing that I'm making my mind about. Like the way I'm thinking, making decisions. Yeah. When I was 18, I, I don't want to lose that at 31. I want to live that way. I want to live that with that kind of ferocity and desire for God. I'll do whatever you just tell me. That's awesome. And I think the, the, the older you get, the harder that becomes. Mm-hmm. And so you have to have friends and brothers around you that will say, hey, no, you can do this. We live by faith in this friendship group. But I would, I would even say that I think in in those, for me, like looking about 18, 25, it, it's, I could tell stopping football to become a youth pastor and have no idea what I was doing, to go do, be a part of a church plant and yep. start a business and like things that I've done that were faith steps. But it's like, it puts something in your spine to be like yes i i'm in this chapter where it's like man i've got a lot more to consider yep. but just like you talked about this idea if eli was in this room he'll come run into my lap that i still want to have the same posture of like man father if you're calling after me i'm, I'm coming after you yep. but i can also look back on this the chapter of life when i when i was 18 20 all that that it's like man he did it then he'll do, he'll do it again yep. now and and so that's like you can hold that in, in as you grow and this is where you bump up against the words of jesus that we've been talking about because jesus says if anyone puts his hand to the plow and looks back and thinks actually i, I need to go and do something else he's not worthy of me mm-hmm. like you don't hear that preached much mm-hmm. because we we think well there's there needs to be acceptable compromises jesus couldn't quite mean that he like he jesus understood there were other things you have to take care of as well and I just, I want to live taking Jesus at his word as explicitly as possible yeah. to say that, no, like, I've, I've decided, I made a surrender-based decision over everything in my life, and now I'm just making little obediences towards that big surrender. Yeah. What What is, uh, let's look behind the scenes of Finn's life. Is there anything in your life right now that you feel like God's pressing sin, on? Lots of <laughs> sin, lots of Where's sin. Where's your sin? <laughs> but even if it's like, I, it's something literally I was praying on the way here, like, God, if there's anything within me that I don't see, bring it to light so I can open open the hands. Sounds very You holy. were praying that at the round table that God would yeah, expose God, you? Expose me right now. <laughs> there's a thing I want to challenge yeah. you on. <laughs> <laughs> but even if there's 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 habits, practices in your life, where it's like, man, I, I, could, I could love Danny better and yeah. obviously there's plenty of things but is there anything that you just feel like god's refining and doing in you right now yeah 100 percent. um the when you start to deal with some of the bigger things that you think are a problem in your life and like i think this is the journey of christian maturity so once you like i, I remember once thinking it's going to be impossible for me not to get drunk every weekend when i go out to party like it, there's no way i'm ever going to stop getting drunk i'm going to become an alcoholic and i was like 16 so it's like, that's obviously not what happened. I just stopped getting, like, if you don't drink too much, you stop getting drunk. It's it's a very easy thing to stop yeah, doing yeah. comparatively. So once you get some of those bigger things out of your life, once you start to realize, like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not just living in this, like, reactive, if I could just stop looking at porn, if I could just stop getting drunk, if I could just stop X, Y, Z, whatever that, that thing is for you, you start to realize, and I have started to realize this over the last five to five years or so, that actually the thing that's killing me, the sin that's killing me is not those big things. It's my motives. It's the attitudes of my heart. It's my, it's my, idol, it's my idols. Um, 
and so be- below all of these explicit sins, these uh, vices, below all of those things, there's actually truth structures and idols in my heart that are just running the way I live. Yep. Get as much power as you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, make people impressed with who you yep. are. Live in such a way that people notice and affirm you. Hide your weaknesses. Maximize your strengths. Push yourself to the front of the line. Like those things are just humming away in there, trying yeah. to govern every way that I live, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't even know it. Mm-hmm. And so, what's amazing about the gospel is that Jesus wants to purify my motives, not just my actions. That's what the whole Sermon on the Mount's about, right? Yeah. It's, it doesn't matter. What, if you're going to look at something, don't just stop looking at it. Cut your hand off. Like deal with the thing that's causing, causing the str- the the sin, causing the brokenness, yeah. not just that so i think for me it's all the stuff i'm working on right now is god my motives are so impure my anger is so much more i'm so i'm so much quicker to anger uh, i'm i'm more of a show off than i want to admit i like to be the center of attention more than i want to admit i don't have the devotional consistency i want other people to think i have all of those things just oh god that's so much uglier than just yeah i got really drunk last weekend mm-hmm. Like that's that that feels so much that both are wrong, but one feels deeply more like formation than the other to mm-hmm. me. And I didn't get drunk last weekend. Just praise the reference. Lord. No, that's what awesome. about you, man. I, I I wrote it down as a challenge for myself in in worship yesterday that cyn- cynicism uh, suffocates atmospheres, and that <laughs> put that on on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> that, <I> just <laughs> But really, I, I like it. I felt like a, a healthy love in correction of like, man, cynicism suffocates atmospheres, and I don't, I don't want to be known. I have a lot of opinions and a lot of thoughts, <laughs> and some good, some majority not good. But really, this idea that man, like, I, I want to be the pure in heart will see God, yep. and and anything in me, God, that that isn't like that, get it out of yep. me, and and that's the lifelong journey we're invited into of following Jesus. And truly, man, I can. Uh, there's, there's plenty of things uh, that I feel like God is pressing on me right now that I just, I so desperately long for not to have a shallow, pretty facade of a life. Yep. But I want people to, when they pull back the curtain, I'm like, man, there's a guy of substance mm-hmm. and knows God. Mm-hmm. And so for, for me right now, it's like, I truly am. I want to love the secret place yep. and I don't always get it right, but it's like, man, I want to meet with God. And mm-hmm. so I am trying my best to have just these consistencies, man. Like, Jesus, I want to follow you. And I, yep. I definitely don't get it right all the time. Yep. But I, I feel like I've, I've in a good way, got guys like you and Duffy and, and surround ourselves where, where you see just as much problems with me. And that's why it's like, oh, yeah, there's a huge log in my eye. Or like, and that's where I think that's the beauty of community is, is, is we refine each other. Right. And, I, and, I, and as I drive away from telling you, hey, massive massive thing going on in your character i realized that was actually more about me wanting to be right over oh, maybe man, a character defense so it's like so it's like there's a there's a yeah. it's impossible to be formed in isolation really yeah like you have to have community that's beyond just mm-hmm. like that's vulnerable that's intentional that's because that's where the life is yeah. and none of what we've just talked about happens quickly and that's mm-hmm. the other thing we want it fast we yeah. want it microwaved we want it yeah and just like Depth in the secret place doesn't happen quickly. Good. Trust structures being uh, torn down and reestablished doesn't happen quickly. Yep. And so you have to commit to a life of following the way of Jesus, not just uh, a set of theological beliefs that I awesome. agree with that are getting me into heaven later. Yep. 
We're about to bring our time to a close. I've got a couple more things I want to, want to hit with you. And you just mentioned this idea of, of we are just impatient by nature. Yep. Um, and I, I think there is a cultural shift at play. And like I see like even like a generational handing of a baton of even like around church and, and things like this. I'd love to just like you pastor a lot of young adults. You're in a lot of conversations, whether it's church model or different opinions about this or that. Right. Just what, are the, what would be even maybe a warning and also but an encouragement of what gets you excited around when you look at the church, the young adults of, of who are coming up mm-hmm. through this, who, who have maybe a different story to their parents. Um, just any observations and encouragements and wisdom that you'd want to pass on. Yep. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stirring about the church right now. The church is uh, Augustine. I almost said Augustine, but that's not how that's not how you say Augustine. Saint Augustine says this: the church is a whore, but she's my mother. And there's this duality of I know exactly what the church is like. You and I have done church in a multi, now multiple different continents with church boys. We we know we know how the sausage gets made. But there's a very real reality that she is deeply imperfect because I'm imperfect because I'm in her. Mm-hmm. Like it's my cynicism, it's my sin. It's so I take ownership of the church's faults as much as I want to call us into a new future. Mm-hmm. So so you're right. There's that cynicism stifles atmospheres. Is exactly the same thing with the church, right? Cynicism kills the church, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if we're going to be the people of God, what kind of people are we going to be? And and none of that. Right, even right now, present, one fifteen. whenever we're recording this, whatever. None of me feels that. I feel cynical, jaded about the church. I'm unsure about the church. I work at the church. Sometimes I don't like the church. But what I actually don't like is the sin that, that is stifling what Jesus died for, which is his body. Yep. There's no other place to be a Christian, Eugene Peterson says. And so we have to commit ourselves fully to the life of the local church in order to be obedient to Christ. It's not even about being like... Sometimes the church is sold as like a, the only place you'll ever be who you're designed to be is the church. The church doesn't exist for me. The church is Christ's reward for his suffering on the cross. Great. So I am going to partake and be a part of Jesus's reward for his suffering. Mm-hmm. So that requires deep ownership and love for the local church. Not, not just an awareness of the church globally, which I think is super important and has been transformative for both of our lives, but a commitment to live in a place where your ideas and assumptions and behaviors are challenged. You're under authority. You're submitted. You're connected. You should be. That's also not necessarily just the church's job to do for you. You should be aggressive about going after, being mentored, being grown, community, fellowship, service, all of the things that the church is. Take ownership for those more than you expect the church to own those. That's great. What about uh, any any last parting words that you'd have for, for rally? Any any last bits of wisdom? Just to the future's now. The future's now. Tell the people. Tell the people. The future's now. Uh, no, I think. I th- I just I think that there is a there's an apathy that you can get sucked into as a young person that is to be fought against at every like. It's good man. Just think about. Think, I mean, I think about pastors that we've talked about that have led us and leaned into us and helped grown us. It's that they refuse to allow us to become complacent. Compl- like we were not allowed to be complacent in holiness. We were not allowed to be complacent in devotion. We were not allowed to become complacent in serving or pouring out our lives for others. And some of that's bad. Some of that's caused wound. Yeah. But it's not wound that you can't get over. Yeah. It's wound that can actually 
give you some life experience and helps you live more fully closely connected to Jesus who is a man of suffering. Mm-hmm. So I just say go all in. Go all in on the church of God. Go all in the kingdom of God. Go all in on pursuit of Jesus, his ways, being with him, becoming like him. Like that's the thing. That's the only place worth putting your treasure. Mm-hmm. As a man sows, so he reaps. God will not be mocked. Come on. So like all these other cultural messages, you have to decide which one takes preeminence. Is Jesus Lord or isn't he? That's great. And if he's Lord, you have to do exactly what he tells you to do. Oh, man. Well, super thankful for you taking time to sit down and ha- have a chat. And I uh, hope this was an encouragement to you. Mm-hmm. And we love you guys. And we will see you on the next roundtable. Let's go. Thank you for joining the Rally Podcast. We hope it encouraged you. We'd love for you to be part of the Rally family. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and YouTube at New Spring Rally so you don't miss a thing. Also, if you'd like to connect to a campus, text Rally to 30303.